Testing, testing. Still way too loud. Dang it, Jamie. Can you please come get Ellie? Okay, let's try this again. You're listening to The Neurodivergent Nurse, and I'm your host, Jamie. I'm a registered nurse who has ADHD. On this podcast, we will talk all things ADHD. I'm really just beginning to learn about this diagnosis and how to navigate through it, but I am so excited to take you on this messy and raw journey with me so that we can learn together. So let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode of The Neurodivergent Nurse. I had the pleasure of having on this show the host of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. Chris shares with us his story, his journey, not only with ADHD, but with substance use and abuse and how he overcame so much in his life and how he is truly thriving today. I hope that you enjoy listening to this episode just as much as I enjoy talking with him. Hey, Chris, what's up? How's your day going? My day is going great. Thank you, Jamie, for asking. We've been talking back and forth on Instagram. It's so nice to be able to have a pseudo face-to-face conversation. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. No, it's been going well. I'm up here in Canada. I'm about an hour west of Toronto. I don't know where lots of your audience is, but I'm sure they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I've had a couple guests on from Canada, actually. I had a nutritionist on to talk about ADHD and gut health and stuff like that. And she was amazing. My husband and I, we used to run an Airbnb pre-coronavirus out of our house. And we had this lovely couple that would come down once a year and we would have like wine and cheese and watch hockey together. But they were from Canada, like family. I swear the nicest people I've ever met are from Canada. That's what I get a lot. I get a lot of that from uh, lots of my guests. You're the nicest person I've ever talked to because you're Canadian. (laughs) I understand because I'm from the South. A lot of people believe that the Southerners in the United States, we have Southern hospitality and they're all really sweet and nice. But I tell them, the people that do believe that, I was like, it's a farce. It's not real. (laughs) It's just like (laughs) only what you see. I'd like to explore more. Yeah. Hopefully that'll be sooner than later. So what do you do, Chris? I know you told me a little bit. So I myself, I've been all over the map for many years as lots of people with ADHD are. But once I got, I'm clean and sober now. So coming up on two years this fall. So now today I am a car salesman. I have the gift to gab as lots of people like to say. So I I don't shut up some days, but it's done me. the, The car sales career has really done me well. And it was a great choice of mine after getting clean and sober back in 2019 and figuring out where I want to go with my life in my mid 30s here. I'm almost, well, in my late 30s now, but just wanting to know what direction I want to take my life. I went that route. I don't have a college degree or anything, but car sales or sales in general is a definitely a career that you can make a good six-figure income without a college education. And then that's what I love about it. I, I just didn't have the drive to, I didn't know what I wanted to do after I was done high school. So I just, and I really wasn't in the right frame of mind to do anything. So Today, I do car sales and also run my own podcast and a huge mental health addictions advocate. Just 
I'm here to break the stigma around anything anyone's afraid to talk about today. That's what I have on my show. I believe everyone's story is valuable. doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. I've had people everywhere from people that have served life sentences in jail to professional athletes on my show. Everyone has a story. doesn't matter what you can tell me. That's BS, but I'm going to tell you differently. And I, I, of course, everybody has a story, but I think with you and your podcast, it's not just that it brings to light that everyone has a story, because if we think about it, we know that. But I think that the kind of podcast that you have, hearing those stories, it brings it to not just the reality, but that people can understand of what people have gone through, what led to the positives, what led to the negatives. And I really believe that when you understand others, that it eliminates this fear. We're afraid of what we don't know. So if there's a person who's been in jail, someone has that stigma about it, but when you hear their story and you hear that they're human and here are the steps that were taken, they're not inherently bad people. There were just issues that led down this road. And I don't know. I just think that is such a beautiful way to spread kindness and understanding and just bring back humanity to our world right now. And I've been told that too, like not to take away from your show, but there's been people that have never shared their story or haven't never shared certain parts of their story until they've come on my show because I've made them feel comfortable. It's all about showing compassion, love, and just understanding and just being sympathetic like empathetic as well empathy's huge just put taking yourself out of your own shoes and and it's something i work on and need to work on still on a daily basis coming from doing drugs for so many years and it was all about chris it was the whole it was the chris show every day and nothing else no one else mattered to me as long as i was getting my fix but now it's time for chris to take himself out of his shoes and put himself in other shoes and see it from their point of view And understand where they're coming from and just have an understanding. And sometimes just listening to someone helps them through that day. While we're talking about your show really quick, because we'll definitely do this at the end as well. But what is the name of your podcast? My podcast is titled From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. And you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you can really find a podcast, Anchor FM. You can find it on all those platforms and you can also find me over on Instagram at Depths of Dark Side and over on Facebook. I'm a little more active on Instagram though, but yeah. Okay. And how long have you had this podcast? So when COVID started, I had just got into my new career. I'll give you a little backstory. I got into my new career with car sales and literally just getting my feet in the door, getting my feet wet and boom, this crazy virus hits the world. And I was like, what am I going to do? Because I was the new guy on the at the dealership. And so a bunch of people got laid off and I ended up being laid off permanently. And the meetings got shut down. I was really heavily involved in the NA community and the Narcotics Anonymous community in my, in my uh, city. But all those meetings got shut down. I went to online meetings and I just, I'm not one for online meetings. Yes, I do all my podcasts over online and don't do any in-person stuff, but I just couldn't sit there in front of a computer like three, four times a week doing these meetings. It just wasn't the same as that in-person feeling, getting to hug others or chatting with others in person. So I said, not, not that I stopped doing my recovery. I just, I needed another outlet. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, I'm going to create this podcast. I was like, I had no clue how to do it. I was talking to a few different people. I have musician friends and stuff. And they're like pointing me in the right direction of a couple m- microphones and some stuff I would need. 
and those types of things. And I started doing my research and I was just like, at the time I didn't have tons of money either. One of my mentors is like, Chris, what's it matter if you ask 10 of your friends for $50 to borrow $50 from each, pay them back. Or I just, so I just started a GoFundMe and I was a little leery of that at first coming from, you got to understand my background, stealing from people, manipulating people for so many years with the life I used to live. So some people were leery about it and they did tell me that, but there was enough people that I was truly grateful for to get this podcast on, like started, ordered all the stuff. And here I am today. Like I haven't let them down. Those people that sort of donated to that GoFundMe at the time and coming up, I'll be releasing my hundredth episode soon. So that's so exciting. Congratulations. Well, this week, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but I usually release two a week. So like, I just decided at first I was like, all right, do I have a quick niche? What am I going to do it about? I was like, you know what? I love hearing everyone's story. So that's where I came up with the sort of model stuff. Everyone's story is valuable. doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. So that's just rolled with it since then. And it didn't compact and didn't like just it. Everyone's welcome on my platform. It doesn't matter. I don't have people that are just in recovery or dealing with mental health or mental illness. It's everyone. I've had stories from everyone. You'd be just surprised the feedback I've gotten since last. I started recording last april and started releasing last may so may 18th 2020 was my first the day my first episode released and i haven't looked back since sort of thing i was doing one a week and i have so much backlog like i I batch record i don't know if other podcasters do that but i do know lots of others do and i feel it's a great thing to do then you build that bank up and i have probably 25 to 30 episodes at a time bank as well in my episode bank and just planning and those types of things so I'm going to rewind back. Let me tell you, when I listen to your podcast, I am not shocked at how popular and how wonderful it is. I get so lost in it. I really enjoy the stories. You are a wonderful host when it comes to your guests too. Do you think that ADHD, our ADHD has anything to do with really wanting to dive into other people and to hear their, the depths of their stories. For me, surface conversations are painful. I don't want, oh, hi. Yeah. The weather's whatever today. Like I want the nitty gritty, the meat and potatoes of every person I meet. No. And those people have to be willing. I, I, and I, I don't try and pull it out of them. Like I try and make them as comfortable as possible. When I go out and seek guests, like I do most everything myself too, just so you know, none of it is outsourced. I've thought of it, but I was like, I I like to learn. And so I've taught myself over time. It's from where I started into where I am today. I'll be honest, when I first started, I was using the damn microphone the wrong way. So I wasn't getting the best sound. Then my buddy's like, Chris, you're using the right, no wonder the sound sounds like this. And then we got it sounding great. That that was two or three months. So it, it is what it is, but I believe that, Yes, hearing other people's stories and the ADHD. I just love just doing so many things and hearing people's stories and learning about people. I I retain lots of information when it comes to those types of things. I remember people's stories and then I love telling others about them as well. Yeah. So you have a story as well. You've mentioned addiction. It has something to do with your ADHD, correct? Uh, has a little bit to do with it and it has a little bit to do with what happened at 10 years old. This is where it started sort of thing where my journey started in, in addiction and into the world I ventured off into for many years. But at 10 years old, like a little backstory, like I, a family friend's 
son, same age. Uh, I was molested. I was asked to do these things that I didn't really want to do. But at the time, at 10 years old, you're not fully developed. You're not yeah. in puberty or haven't hit puberty yet. Or maybe you have. But everyone's different when they hit that puberty stage. But And you don't think what's right from wrong at that point sort of thing. So some things did happen to me. I was molested. But I don't hold a grudge anymore. Like for so many years, I held that in until two years ago. Like November 2019 is sort of when I first came out about that. And that's when it started my real journey in recovery because for I was in and out since my early 20s. I did not let that story out. Not even when I went to rehab the one time in my early 20s. That story didn't even come out. So I didn't even fully heal. Like I wasn't healing because I hadn't let that go yet. At that point, I, I don't plan to ever speak to this person again. And if I did run into them on the streets, sure, I'd say hi or whatever. That's just the type of person I am. I'm not going to run to the other side of the street. I'll face my fears head on, but I, I, I don't go out of my way. And that's okay. Like, I'm okay with the way it is. I don't plan to ever go make an immediate amends with that person or ask for their forgiveness or anything for what they've done. And they have their own life now. I, I don't even know what they do and don't care really what they do, but I've written it down on paper. I've talked to people that I feel comfortable with talking about it. And I feel comfortable now talking about it openly after I've started talking about it. The more you talk and the more you're vulnerable, the easier it is to get that shit out there that is really deep down inside of you that's embedded in you. I also think that when talking about things like that, just like you said, it was so long until you put it out there, right? That you let it out and you had a conversation. I held it in for 27 years. And people hold so much shame in general within themselves. If you had a DUI, but yet you are a physician or a lawyer, like those are the things that you don't publicly share because of so much stigma. You worry about how the outside world is going to look in, or you don't really know how to navigate through it. But the more people like yourself that you put it out there that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Here is a way that you've gone through dark times and you're starting to come through the other side of it, no matter how long it takes, that you're not alone in the world. Like we all have a unique story, but it's all quilted together. And if you can find someone else who is a success story, then that means that there's hope for you to be successful as well. And and I want to put it out there too. Like it's it started with... Like that, around that time is when I started. I don't want to glorify my using days either. That's not what it's all about. You know what I mean? And that's the same within recovery. Like it's not, we're not here to glorify. Like he said, like one up everyone on what you've done. And either. Like it all started around that time. And then that's when I sort of started stealing my parents' booze. Uh, my dad had a liquor cabinet, but no longer after I was done with it. And I would come home at lunch in like grade six, seven and be drinking bottles of booze to myself and then go back to school. And I just started burying these emotions. And after that, and they don't even think, yes, I have ADHD and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but I started abusing my medication too. Once I found out and I don't, I don't suggest this to anyone, but I'm just giving you my backstory too. Once high school came and a couple friends, Hey, that's, that's cheap man's cocaine as everyone. That's a stimulant. Instead of taking it, I had open access to this until my mom sort of caught took a while for her to catch on to this but they took me off that medication and i think i'd become so accustomed to stimulant at that point so i started looking outwards because they'd taken away this medication from me i wasn't even using it properly like we would be going through probably two to three hundred pills a week just crushing them up and doing wow. it. 
Like it, it, it was insane. It was the definition of insanity. Grade nine is when that all started and it just got worse and worse. I, and I had never talked about it. I just, the lying, the stealing, the manipulation, it, it wasn't stopping. It, burying these emotions every time something would come up, I would run to drugs. That was my go-to thing. And then once I got clean and sober, though we can fast forward. Once I finally got clean and sober, I finally have a medication. Like I was on so many different medications too, antipsychotics. And I, I don't, I know you're going to have a nursing background. I don't believe you need to be on all these medications either. Like the one that I am on is for ADHD. And I find that one really helps and focuses, but also to help your mental health. Do things that do help your mental health. There's things that will stimulate those endorphins of yours and help you through those days like working out. Like going to the gym is one of mine. I love going to the gym. You can get me out off the couch for any point in time. Anything other than going to get drugs or booze. That was all that it consisted of going outside other than to work to make a little bit of money to get through the week sort of thing. Like I would be dead in a ditch if it wasn't for my partner or my brother really. The way they basically held my hand like a little kid and picked me back up. But he came and stayed with me. And we got me to the mental health center here in town and started the whole process of getting into treatment. I didn't end up going into treatment, just so you know, I'll cut it there. But not for that, just for the fact, the, the process, it was just craziness. Like, it's a little different than down here. Lots of it's paid down in the States and stuff like that through. But there's no benefits. It's paid through the healthcare, and there's long wait lists. So I just started doing the work surrounding myself with the people. I have two kids too, to put it into perspective. I was physically there for all these years, a teenager and a seven-year-old, but mentally I was not there for like pretty much my whole daughter's life and most of my son's life, just using and abusing drugs and alcohol for all these years. Like I said, mentally, I was not there. I couldn't even put through a weekend even with them and not use while they were there with me. I'd get them to bed and go use and then get back up and try and you know compose a day out of it sort of thing or sometimes through the day I'd have to use as well. So I ended up losing my kids for quite some time. I had to get some clean drug tests. I had to do a whole bunch of that stuff and prove to their mothers that I could be a responsible adult, a productive member of society before I even got access back to them. My son was scared. Today he's proud of the father he has around and he doesn't want to see that back. Me to my old ways, he's told me that and I'm proud of myself for that but it took a lot of work, I'll tell you that. It was a lot of restless nights at home like with the withdrawals. I don't wish that upon anyone and I put it into perspective too. I decided it was time to quit cold turkey off my antipsychotic pills, I off Seroquel. I was on Seroquel as well. I don't suggest that to anyone. I suggest going under your doctor's instructions because it like that was even worse than coming off some of the hard drugs I was mm-hmm. coming off of. Coming off some antipsychotics, cold turkey was not fun either. And my fiance can attest to that. There was many restless nights and I'm sure my neighbors at the condo at the time can attest to the screaming and yelling in my sleep and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a long road ahead and it's still a journey. Like we're still in therapy, but that was my breaking point really. Like at that point, what the fuck am I doing with my life? What am I doing? You know, I'm stealing from my own family and I'd done that many times over the years. Like I wasn't allowed at my parents' house for a long time. Like I've finally built that trust back up. I'm allowed to go to their house with when they're not there anymore. But it, that that wasn't like that at the beginning either. Like I was cut off. The boundaries were put up and they had to be. Mm-hmm. I understand that now, but at the time I was pissed off because all these boundaries were being put up, but it was for my own, for their own well-being as well, not to protect themselves from what I had done and the path I you know, had created at the time, the the wreckage I'd created, whatever you want to call it, the train wreck. So I've heard a lot of people talk about when COVID hit that 
Obviously, it has been a difficult time for majority of people. But those who have dealt with addiction, that it was a difficult time for many of them because there's so much stress. So how was dealing with COVID-19, especially last year when we didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring and you had these lockdowns and things like that? What was that like for you? So I had, let's see, November 19th. So I had about five, six months, let's say roughly clean when everything hit. And as with uh, someone with ADHD, we're minds. I got inventions coming out my yin yang, my <laughs> ass. So anyways, like my partner Megan would attest that she's immune compromised with her asthma and stuff like that. So we were taking it very precautiously at the beginning, and she'd gotten very sick. And we believe it was COVID, even though the tests were coming back negative. With what was going on with her at the time, it makes sense now. But I remember getting a message once. I dealt with it pretty good because I'm pretty good at coming up with ideas and. But sometimes I need to slow it down, as she says. One thing at a time, Chris. Not I'd have a list of ideas, and I'd, as she said, are you building a damn spaceship out there in the living room? Like, just the stuff I'd be getting into, and my ideas are all over the map. But I remember we had a talk a few months ago, though. I think it was this year. My word for this year, my words for this year from her at the beginning of the year, though, were slow down and be patient. And I've just let things fall into place. Just not rush the things. Follow through and finish a project if you're going to start one. Not start one and then five minutes later start another and then you're all over the map sort of thing. As you can attest probably with ADHD. Oh, yeah. I'm all over the place. I have projects all over the place. I have some that I haven't even started yet. Probably better to just put that list in the garbage and come back to it another day. But I can show you this pile over here of, yeah, like painting products. And I have tons of blanks that I haven't finished making. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Now, right next to me in my podcast room. But yeah, so like I, I didn't find it that hard. Be and, and, and don't get me wrong. It's been tough. It's probably been one of the worst times for overdoses and stuff. That's another epidemic that's out there it's one of the biggest one epidemic like between mental illness and addictions it's huge i've honestly lost count to how many people i've lost whether i've known or someone that's known someone that i know that have lost their lives to overdoses like it's no fucking joke right now the stuff that is out there and that was another reason that i was getting scared i didn't know what i was going to be getting some nights when i go to get stuff i don't know what the hell's in it all I cared about was getting high, but Megan was worried too. Like, is she going to wake up someone dead beside her? Or... So that was another thing. Like the stuff that's out there today is not what it was 15, 20 years ago. I'll tell you that right now. It's a lot more potent and you don't, and it doesn't take much. I have friends that are in emergency services, whether it's paramedics, firefighters, or police officers too. And it doesn't take much to get in there. You know what I mean? To have an overdose like they've seen their their friends that are on the police force or firefighters that have been in contact with fentanyl a little speck it just takes like the tenth of a grain of salt to kill you today you don't know what's out there that's the thing and and i understand these people have a past and have trauma and stuff like that and that's why they're using they don't so i suggest getting support though i'm grateful for the support that i did have and i still have to this day like i said i like even my partner said to me you'd be dead in a ditch or in jail if it wasn't for me like and i truly believe that too like even my therapist has told me that too of my partner like i, I wouldn't be where i am today i wouldn't be the person i am today she pushes me to be the best version of myself every day, but also calls me out of my bullshit every day. And I need to have that person in my life too. I don't know if you can attest with your husband if he calls you out on your bullshit some days, but I thoroughly enjoy it <laughs> to an extent. Like I need to be called out on my bullshit because some days I just have the most ridiculous ideas and she has to bring me back down to 
this place we live on called Earth and, and get off that other planet that I decided to go to someday. No, I think I still just like flick around forever, all these irons in the fire. I think COVID has been what has pulled me down to Earth because I was volunteering at here in my state. We have a coalition that's called the North Carolina Harm Reduction Coalition. We provide clean needles and Narcan yeah. and stuff bags in which was also cool because they were ex-addicts that really run it. And they would be the ones who would take these supplies out to the communities to prevent the spread of hepatitis, AIDS, any other blood-borne pathogens. But then if there was someone that did overdose, there was a number on the bag for them to call or text after calling 911. And they would notify where they got this batch and what color it was, all of these things so that they could send a message out to the community to help keep that community safe as well. Lots I've of stuff like that up here as well. And, you know, this man, I can't remember his name. Ed's his name, sorry. I can't remember his last name, but he runs the bench. It's called the bench downtown in the city. And I'll go once in a while, I'll go through the closet and donate clothes or give him a couple packs of smokes to hand out, but he's got it down to a regiment. But he has a little book and he keeps track. He's a homeless man himself and he keeps track of who gets what every day though. And people like business donate to the bench and it's nice to see him. And we do have harm reduction programs down here. We have safe injection sites in oh, the cities now. I and wish it, that the states would do that. Like it's, it, it, it was a fight for a while to get that, but I'm all for harm reduction and even being in recovery. And there's reasons I've stepped away from the rooms, not just because of COVID either. I don't care. I'm open about it. I, like I said, I'm in recovery. I'm clean and sober, but I loved the taste of beer. And they've been coming out with so many non-alcoholic versions. And some people are like, oh, you shouldn't, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I'll be honest, at first I smoked marijuana too when I first came in recovery and I thought, all right, we're doing all my research. It's good for depression. Not only lo and behold though, with all the hard drugs and everything I've done over the years, it actually heightened my anxiety. It heightened my paranoia. So with the help of my therapist, I quit that and that was hell for a couple months. But I, I don't knock the people that do use it still. It's There is benefit from cannabis in my opinion. And there's lots of benefit from the CBD and the THC, whatever route you want to go. There's proven fact. And even the psych, the psychedelics, the psychobillin uh, mushrooms and stuff like that, microdosing. There's lots of proven facts for people with mental illness, especially bipolar disorder, head injuries. Lots of athletes are turning to this kind of stuff as a medicine instead of taking all these heavy doses from the big pharma and stuff of all this medication to be on, you can do like microdosing and it's been proven and stuff like that. So I'm all for all those types of things. I, I'm not against any of that. And the thing is, I find people in the rooms of recovery, not everyone, but lots of them can be very judgy. They're some of the more judgy people. And I'm not, I don't need to name names, but I just find that and I'm not the only one that says that. I've heard that from other people that have stepped away, but are still in recovery. And and they, if they want to look at me differently, just because I don't go to the rooms of NA or AA, doesn't mean I'm not doing work on the other side. I Trust me, I wouldn't be here talking to you today if I was using the shit that I was using. I would have never shown up on time for this meeting that we're having. I will tell you that right now. I would have just said, screw it. I would have signed up for it, but you wouldn't. I can guarantee I probably wouldn't have been here. All bets are off once you put some drugs into me. That's the thing. If I went out and started using today, all bets are off. I can guarantee the bank accounts would be cleaned. I would sell my car. I would give it to the drug dealer to as collateral till I could pay him back. Like anything. I would do anything. So... That's what I mean. And people need to stop being so judgmental, though, around all these types of things. Like, everyone has their own way of doing their recovery. 
It doesn't have to be a 12-step program. Sorry, to, that's just my opinion. And, and not everyone's going to agree with that that listens to this that may be in a 12-step program, but that's just my opinion. And, and I feel I'm entitled to it. Nothing in this life, in this world, is a one-size-fits-all, right? No, so- it's not the be-all, end-all. It's <laughs> going to a room. Just... And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. Like I'll show up to a meeting once in a while, but I, I won't be going a few days a week like I used to. I just found so many judgments passed around. Like we were talking, me and my partner, and just like all those people, once you step away from those rooms, they don't even contact you anymore. And and, and you hear little whispers in the corner and stuff like that. I don't care. I don't care what you think. If you have a problem, just come to me. I'm the type of guy that come right to you and tell you, the way it is, I'll tell you the way it is, black and white. I'm not going to cook it, sugarcoat it or whatever you want to call it, beat around the bush. I'm just the type of guy that will tell you straight up. If you're being a dick, I'm going to tell you. So what have been your most beneficial ways to deal with it outside? Like the meetings multiple times a week is not your cup of tea. You were talking about exercise. What else have you found that has been beneficial for you? I'll tell you how I started. I this is again, this is my story, everyone. But I feel for anyone like coming into recovery or wanting to get better, and you got to do it one day at a time. Don't worry about what the hell happened yesterday because yesterday's gone, and we can't worry about the future because it hasn't come yet. But like you said, for my mental health and mental well-being, I try to get to the three to four days a week. If I don't, you, you don't beat yourself up though. If you don't accomplish that exact goal for the week or whatever, just pick up and just know you got to do better next week. Then and those types of things. Also, people, places, and things. That is one thing. Those are three things I had to change before anything was going to change. So I started by getting a new phone number. I hadn't had the new phone number in over 20 years. New cell phone number because most people don't have landlines these days. Some do, but most don't. My Maybe our parents do their old school. The people I was hanging out with, I can count on one hand now a solid group of friends I have and I'm happy with that. Like me and my partner were talking about that. She has many more friends. She also didn't live the lifestyle I lived. Like they were all acquaintances. I had to get rid of everyone, clean out my life. And then the places, I had to stop going around those places. And I was very uncomfortable at first going out even to a bar with people drinking, but I'm very comfortable now with it. I know my limits and if I get uncomfortable, I'm able to leave. I, I have an exit, an escape route or a plan or whatnot. And Megan's happy with that as well. We work together as a team here. People, places, and things is another thing I had to change. Like just reaching out to people. I find for my mental health, I find I loved when people checked in on me. I thought it was great. Like it made me feel great. Just someone that actually cared about me. So I've started doing that on a daily basis whether it sends someone a voice message, a text or a message on Instagram or wherever, just to check in on them. I I, I really highly suggest people just do that. It takes literally five minutes out of your day to send a quick, hey, how are you? How are you doing? I haven't heard from you in a while. Try and do different people each day. I have a select few I chat with on a daily now and I've met so many great people through this podcast of mine being guests on other shows that that's what really does it for me. And also, talking about your feelings that that's one i'm still working on but if you don't talk about your feelings they're just going to stew inside you and then it gets to the point where the kettle gets it gets so full it just blows all that steam out and those i feel like those are the most difficult times for anyone in general to deal with when i bottle things up often i used to have flash emotions i was married before uh, this marriage. And if I got mad, it was just explosive anger that I had. And it took years for me to become a very laid back person to become someone that's just super chill. But the down part of that is 
I don't always talk about things and I do bottle them up. And then whenever it comes to when it hits the max, I just can't handle it. Yeah. And I have been learning and I want to talk about that a little bit now that you talk about the emotions and everything, but we've been working together. Like we, I still go to therapy today, even you know, almost two years clean and sober. It's a one day at a time thing and, and therapy's amazing. I, I don't care what anyone says. I think there's that stigma around, oh, you're not tough anymore. You're a pussy or whatever, especially for the males and stuff like that. But I really encourage any male out there, go, go to therapy. You will benefit from it. Find the right therapist. It took me a long time. It took me many years, I'll tell you count on two hands or more how many therapists I've been through how much it's like firing lawyers I've fired many therapists and stuff but I've, we finally found the right fit as a couple and individual we go to the same person and it's just been great to have that open line of communication and we have a group chat that we have between us texting we can put our problems in there and there everyone sees it sort of thing but I like what she sort of taught us over the last while it's called assess apologize and solutions work so instead of getting stuck deeply in a problem and no one can see a solution try and recognize the problem and here's the problem and what do we want to do the solution to be to it right away and it's festering in your own emotions and then everyone just explodes we're trying to have solutions right away if we have a problem let's talk about it talk about your feelings right away and what's the solution to get past this sort of thing and then boom we can move on from that we're trying to resolve our issues and our and our problems before they arise and go a few days long sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if you just talk about a problem just because you want to bitch about it instead of saying, no, here's a problem and here's a solution. Like here's the end game. How can we collectively get to this instead of just griping, just throwing it at someone or trying to injure someone because you dislike whatever's happening in that particular situation? Yeah, most definitely. And I find it huge. Communication is huge, especially between a partner. Transparency is what I've been learning too lately. Like just being transparent, we tell each other, even like she knows I'm at work, let's say nine to five or nine to eight, whatever it is. But once I'm leaving, if I'm going to be a little late, just be that transparency with your partner. Hey, I'm going to, I got a client. We're staying a little late. Just let them know. That's all you got to do. It won't cause a fight then or they don't have aren't worried where you are because usually you're supposed to be home we all, i only live five minutes from where i work so just let them know being transparent or when you're done your podcast hey i'm done but i got a little bit of work to do i'm going to be a little later tonight so those types of things are just we're trying all these different things just to be transparent and it does help smooth out things in a relationship it does i feel like it also helps prevent like a slow fade of if there's a lot of room to be dishonest then you're more likely to throw in little white lies here and there and things like that accumulate and they move from little white lies, bigger bits of dishonesty, and it can snowball into something very bad, whether it's not being faithful or if you develop a relationship that is just not beneficial to your true marriage, your engagement, your partner. But that's what I have personally found because I've not had a good history with people that I've dated in the past. If you have that transparency always, then there's not even a thought. There's not a gray area that you can fill it with anything else to me. Yeah. And I totally agree with you there too. And I, for many years, I was dishonest, even at the beginning of the relationship I'm in. I had just gotten one year clean and sober at that point again. And 
but I decided it would be good to go out and start using. But it, like, it was a whole bunch of bullshit and lies through the first while of a relationship. And those little white lies and all those things, like you said, they add up and it just gets bigger and bigger. And then you get caught in your lies. So it's better just to be honest from the get-go, even though it takes a lot for me to be honest today. But sometimes I'm too honest now, like I've been told. But that's okay. Just be honest about the little things and it, it transpires into everything. You just, you're an honest person all around then. You start to become loyal. And that's what I'm learning today, that talk about the little things and be honest about the little things, even if it's something that your partner, whomever might not want to hear, but at least you're honest about it. They don't have to like it, but it's always better to be honest and it goes a lot smoother. Yeah, it definitely does. I've learned the same thing too. And I also think that people with ADHD in general, a lot of us are pleasers as well in so many ways. So even with being dishonest, it's not always so that we can benefit from it. It's so that we can maintain that image or we just don't want to deal with that confrontation. And it's a lot easier to be dishonest so that you're not going to end up in a, in an argument or you're not going to end up with this relationship that's no longer, or that it could cause a division in your relationship or things like that. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you at all. Like I was a people pleaser And I try not to be today, though. I've really worked in that an enabler, a codependent on so many levels, whether it would be because I would have all these drugs and just want people to be my friend. So, hey, I gravitate to, oh, you do this, let's go do all this stuff. I didn't care what was mine was theirs at that point. But I learned pretty quick that they really weren't my friends unless I had stuff. Even a codependent or even being enabled, like my mom was an enabler with me as well, like... I would bullshit, oh, I need this for child support, or I need this for this for the kids. But at the end of the day, I really was just using it for drugs. Like, I was a master manipulator. I was on so many levels. I would just depend on everyone else and not take care of my own side of the street. But once I came into recovery and stuff, I was like, I got to clean up my side of the street before I can help everyone else thing too. Slowly cleaning that up one day at a time still to this day, and but it's gotten a lot better. And people have faith in me they trust in me now i can go to my brother's house without him having to worry about me what i'm going to take from his place or those types of things you know what i mean like i get invited out to things again people trust in me and it's nice to have that trust and faith from other people again because for so long i was just a complete asshole i was a thief i was a manipulator like i said a liar whatever you couldn't trust me as far as you could throw me for so many years do you think that the trust that they have in you now and the faith that they have in you now that you are clean and sober, do you think that also contributes you to staying down that path? That they have this faith in you, they believe in you as someone who has a history of being a people pleaser, that you just, you don't want to let them down. Is that an additional? Not at all. No. At the end of the day, recovery is all about, it's an inside job. I have to want to do this for myself and no one else. So I know I don't do it for anyone else, even my children. Yes, I, I know there's consequences if I do go back out using or whatnot. But in the back of my head, though, there's lots of things I have to lose. Like I will lose a relationship. I will lose my job. I will lose my kids, my family, all those types. The, the list goes on what I have to lose today. It's not worth it to me to fucking smoke it piss it, whatever you want to call it all away for one fun night or whatever you want to call a fun night to lose all that again though. So that's in the back of my mind too, but it's not for anyone else. Then today I do this for 
because I want to live a better life. I know I have lots of potential and I've been told that and not to try and boost my own ego, but there's lots of potential in me if I stay clean and sober every day. I'm no good to anyone. I wouldn't get the job today. That was my first real test too. I want to say that about getting into the position I'm in in sales and working with money, big purchases and stuff. I had to talk to my one friend. I says, do I have to be honest about all this? Like I'm filling out this application for my car sales license. He's like, yes, Chris. He says, they'll find out. The reason they're asking you these questions is because they already know. They just want to see how honest you will be. So I had to be honest about, straight up, I had to be honest about how, like, what I did to lose this one job. And I had lots of guilt and shame around it because I had mm -hmm. stolen a ton of money and lost this contract for this particular company I worked for a huge school board in the city. I lost the contract because of what I had done and because of my actions. But I was on it. And if I wasn't honest, I don't think I'd be in the position I am with the job and career I'm in today. They're just looking for you to be honest. That's all it is. That position, especially with what I do, is all about honesty. You were just saying that with your job, that it really you know, encourages you, that you have so much potential. What else do you think helped you realize the potential that you truly have in Chris? When I started just... When I wanted to do this podcast, I knew I loved talking to people. I, I knew I loved hearing people's stories like we've already gathered. And then once I started doing it and then the feedback I was getting, I'm not again, not to boost my own ego, but I was getting great feedback. And even from guests and people reaching out to me and people's parents, mothers, fathers reaching out to me and just saying, great job you did with my son on in the interview. We haven't, or just guests in general, just the feel I give them when they come on my show, you know, I make them feel comfortable. I know what to talk about. I can, I'm getting better at reading the room and that's not just with podcasting, but in general, reading the room and just sort of before I, I got to get better at that though, when we're in like group settings or whatever, got to read the room because sometimes I have some inappropriate stuff that will still come out of my mouth. <laughs> not like in a bad way, I'm going to tell someone off, but got to read, you know what I mean? That read the room before you say, you say your joke sort of thing, those types of things. But just all in all, just my smile how welcoming I can be and how comfortable I can make someone feel and stuff like that. And just showing that empathy back to someone else and showing you care. What has been the best compliment so far since you've started your podcast? What has really hit you in your heart since that started? Best compliment, I don't know if it's word for word verbatim, but it would be I have a really good way of storytelling and the questions I ask that draw the story out of that person. Because I don't, I, I try not to ask the same question each time. So I, I use questions. I actually use this amazing app. If any other podcaster out there too, it's called Poddex, so created by Travis Brown out of Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, but huge, like huge uh, game changer for me. I think there's over, I think six to 7,000 plus questions in this app now, like for podcasters sort of thing. So I get lots of my questions from there. So I just that storytelling feel and just listening. I get comments about how I just listen and show that empathy and make them feel at ease. They make they feel very comfortable coming on my show. You just got to make people feel comfortable. Let them know that they are you're allowing them to be heard. Don't cut them off. And sometimes I st I'm I'm brutal at that in person conversations sometimes. And even on my podcast, I've been getting better. I just get so excited. I want to jump in there and answer it before they even have the answer someone with ADHD, maybe. I'm telling you, I've tried to binge listen to several because I have an hour and a half commute to work. And I, but I've been listening to your podcast. And that was one of the things that I recognized, like he is so good at not cutting people off because there's so many podcasts that I listen to that I do enjoy. And I'm like, ah, oh, I start feeling uncomfortable because the host is talking over the guest the whole time. So 
I haven't recognized it at all. It's, well, maybe it's great. It's just my, I, I really try to just shut up, ask the question, let them talk. And then with you sort of can pick and choose, pick up on if they're done and move on or add your tidbit to what they've just said too. But I feel like listening is key if you're going to be a podcaster. Listening and listening to what they have to say as well. And, so, and have a structure for your show too. Mine was all over the map for a while, especially with ADHD. But once I had a structure down, do a little research too on your guest or get a little bit of information using the Calendly link and stuff like that. And you can sort of go from there. But I'll just have a fun time. And I love having organic conversation like we've had today as well. And you never know which way it's going to go. And what guest has been the most impactful to you? She's when you hear cool. all of these stories from all these different people, has there been one that's just really sticks out in your mind? There hasn't been one that really sticks out in general, but really all of them, I'll be honest. And I'm not trying to say that because I don't can't choose one. I, I feel everyone's story is important. Like it doesn't matter. Again, like I say, what walk of life you come from, I think everyone's story is important. Everyone has a story. Everyone has trauma somewhere in their life. It could be, there's so many different kinds of traumas, but there's generational trauma. Mm -hmm. It could go back and that's why the way you were when you were little, because your parents didn't know any better. Maybe their parents didn't know any better and so on and so forth. But everyone has trauma. But I, I just believe like everyone that's come on my show has really impacted me in one way or another. That's where I get my recovery from today. It's like a little bit of therapy each week when I record episodes and just hearing these people's stories, then picking through it and listening to it after is just amazes me to see like where they were and where they are today. And tell us again where people can find your podcast and the name of it. So it's From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. And you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Anchor FM. You can also go follow me over on Instagram at Depths of Darkside. So that's D-E-P-T-H-S-O-F-D-A-R-K-S-I-D-E. And you can follow me over on Instagram or head over to Facebook and it's from the depths of darkness to the light of success over there. And please guys, it helps all podcasters. So head over to Jamie's show here and leave her a five-star review over on Apple over to Anchor FM, leave her a voice note. It really helps us podcasters grow as content creators. And leave a little and leave a little write-up too, not just a five-star review. Put some effort into it. It takes two to three minutes. Write a little blurb, good or bad. We all like hearing feedback. That's how we grow as content creators and podcasters. So thank you again, though, for having me on the show today, Jamie. Yeah, and I'm so glad. I've really enjoyed this. And thank you for taking your time to be here today not and for being so honest and just sharing you. No problem. Thank you so much. If you would like to contribute to this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the neurodivergent nurse, where you can get exclusive bonus episode, script of the show prior to the release, uncut video interviews of the guest, input on upcoming shows and ideas, and even more. Also, be sure to follow the neurodivergent nurse on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with someone that you think could also benefit from the neurodivergent nurse. And go ahead while you have time and while you're thinking about it and rate it and leave a review five stars on your favorite listening platform so that other people can find the show easily as well and i hope you have a wonderful week and i can't wait to talk to you again